If you're able, please stand to show reverence to the Lord as we join in, hearing, in the hearing of his word. Our Old Testament reading today comes from Psalms chapter 80, verses 8, verses 14 through 19. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see, have regard for this vine, the stock of your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire, they have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face, but let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Our New Testament reading comes from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 11 through 15. So set sailing from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, when we set, when we, when we went outside the gate of, to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place to pray. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatria, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household would as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and say, and she prevailed upon us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be God. Please be seated. This morning we have a special guest speaker. His name is Graham Gua, and he is he has he came last year with his family to assist Rick Gray in the RUF International Ministry at University of Delaware, and he will come and give us God's word this morning. Graham. Thank you, Pastor Joshua. Good morning, Grace Church. It is an honor and privilege to bring God's word to you all. Um, if you find me losing my voice in the middle of the sermon, you can blame me on the worship team. <laughs> that was great, great um, worship uh, this morning. Um, if you have your Bible with you, um, or I believe it could, um, we just read it, uh, if you will turn with me to the book of Acts, Chapter 16, we're going to look at verse 11 to verse 15. This passage takes place in the bigger context of the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey. 
And we had already in chapter 15 witnessed the Apostle Paul and Barnabas parting ways. And now Paul is going to partner with Silas to bring the gospel to the unreached places. Just a few verses before our passage, we read um, the first mention of we, which indicates that Dr. Luke is joining the missionary team, bringing the gospel to the city of Philippi. The gospel goes global. The gospel goes global with unstoppable power. Everywhere the apostles go, great transformation takes place. And the pagan society was turned upside down. People's lives were changed. Now, it's very easy to think that it's all because of the power of the Apostle Paul and his missionary team. But in today's text, we are once reminded that it's actually God's power that ultimately changed human hearts. God is at work. Our salvation is the work of God. So first, we see God's sovereign plan taking place in the city of Philippi. Now, the city of Philippi is one of the most important cities in Macedonia. The citizens who live in that city are considered to be Roman citizens. They enjoy the many privileges that people from many other nations do not have. But even in this big and important city, not even a single synagogue could be found. The minimum requirement for a synagogue to be established is 10 men. So they couldn't find 10 Jewish men to, to build, to establish a synagogue. So the, wor the God worshipers of that city had to go to the riverside to pray. So Paul found out that there is going to be a group of women on this Sabbath day praying at the riverside. He brings his missionary team with him to meet them. I love in verse... Um, 13, where it says, On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had met together there. Don't you sometimes wonder what the Apostle Paul said to the group of women there? What message did he bring to the group of women? I think the other passages in the book of Acts shed some light on what the Apostle, Apostle Paul shared. Later on in chapter 16, Paul said this to the Philippian jailer. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. In chapter 17, verse 3, Paul said this to the people in Thessalonica. He explains and proves that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. Later on in that chapter, Paul said to the crowd in Areopagus, 
because God has fixed the day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has appointed, and of this He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. I have no doubt that the Apostle Paul shared the person, the the life, and the death of Jesus Christ with them. Paul proclaimed the whole message to the group of women there. He declared the totality of the gospel to the women who met at the river said. And they were engaging a rational discourse with the missionary team. Um, I love um, RUFI, the ministry that we have. Uh, every Thursday night, we have uh, dinner and discussion. We start with an ethnic meal and then follow with an hour of optional Bible discussion. It's my favorite time of the week. Um, at that time, you get to meet students from all over the world, and many of them have never heard about the gospel, never opened the, uh, the Bible. And it's just a great time to share the gospel with them, to engage in a rational discourse with them. Yes, there are conversions in the Bible that are dramatic, but here in today's text we read, Lydia was just engaging in a rational conversation, an ordinary conversation with the missionary team. And we found that she was converted right there. I remember early on in the last semester, I sat down with a group of students. Many of them come from East Asia. And we started talking about Jesus' parable. And we got on to the topic of how Christianity was different from all the other religions. And whenever we talk about the difference, I love using Pastor David Platt's analogy. So I shared that analogy with them. I shared that all the other religions are like climbing up the mountain to meet God. But only the Christian God come down the mountain to meet us where we are. And those students hearing that for the first time, they were just amazed by how gracious, how loving, how different our Christian God is. At our Bible discussion, we not only talk about the easier passages, we also deal with the, some, sometimes the difficult passages. One of the parables we talked about last semester was the parable of the dishonest manager. Many of you probably have read that parable. And even after our discussion, one student came up to me, and he was just still so confused. Why would God say that a manager who was abusing his uh, riches and said that he did a good thing. And it was just so good to share with him the blessing it is to think about the heavenly riches that we all have. And so that's just a glimpse of um, what we do on Thursday night. And it's, and I love uh, engaging in conversations with our students. 
In today's passage, we read that Lydia is a dealer of purple cloth. Now, purple was in high demand in those days because purple was considered to be a royal color. Now, Lydia must have, her business must have been um, blooming because uh, there must be a big demand. And Lydia would be, probably be in the upper middle class who makes a, a very decent income. But where did Lydia come from? Lydia comes from a city called Thyatira. Thyatira is a city that is located in Asia Manor. And Philippi, a city from Macedonia, which is uh, modern-day Europe, God sovereignly brought a lady from Asia Manor to the continent of Europe to hear the gospel being preached to her for the first time. And later we will read that Lydia was converted right there. That would have made her the very first person being converted in the continent of Europe. We do not see the, the, the nations in Europe, the people from Europe experiencing conversion, but we see the first person is actually a woman come from Asia Manor. This is God's sovereign plan. And there are millions of Lydia's in the US right now. Statistics show that there are more than one million international students are studying here in the US. Never in the history of the world has any one single country received this many international students. What a great opportunity for all of us to think evangelistically, to, to bring the gospel to those who are living in this country. So first, God is sovereign. And secondly, we see that God is at work. In verse 14, we read that Lydia was a worshiper of God. So before the apostle Paul even met her, she was already meeting with the other women at the riverside. She was what we call a proselyte, a person who come not from the Jewish background, but they said to meet God, to worship God in a Jewish synagogue. God had already started his sovereign work in Lydia's life. And even though many other people may do business on the Sabbath day, she had already chosen to worship God, to meet God on the Sabbath day, to keep the Sabbath. God was already at work. I used to hear a missionary uh, sharing about how she had come to know the Lord. She said she grew up in a communist country. And at a young age, she would learn that her life, the goal of her life was not for herself, but her goal in life is for the party. And at first hearing this, you may think, oh, this is horrible. And indeed, 
It is. But later on, she shared about when she came to the U.S., she heard about the gospel and how becoming a believer in Christ, you should not live for yourself, but for Christ. It was an easier transition for her to give her life, to surrender her life to the Lord. God was already at work despite our own cultural backgrounds. During our dinner and discussion, we meet students from all over the world. Some of them come from South America. And they sometimes have a little bit better understanding of the gospel. But we also meet students from Asia who sometimes have zero understanding, have never read the Bible before. Despite different backgrounds, God was already at work. Those who never heard about the, the gospel sometimes have a fresh understanding, are even more curious about the gospel. So we see God was already at work. And then in, later in verse 14, we read that the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. The Bible tells us it was not Paul's eloquent speech that opens Lydia's heart. It was not Paul's ability to interpret scripture that transforms Lydia's life. But it was the power of God that changes hearts. God opens her heart so that she can pay attention to what was said by Paul. Many times we hear the gospel, but it can so quickly goes over our, goes over our head. But the Lord opened her heart, so Lydia paid attention to the gospel. And notice, God used the apostle Paul. Those are the words spoken by Paul by the power of the Holy Spirit that transformed Lydia's life. But God still chooses to use his servants to bring the gospel to unbelievers. We must be willing to be used by God. The Great Commission in Matthew 28 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Hudson Taylor, a great missionary, commenting on this verse said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. All of us must obey the command to bring the gospel to all nations. And then we leave the results to God. We must remember that we are not their savior. God is. We are responsible to share the gospel, but the heart-changing work belongs to God. Take that burden off your shoulder, and that will free you to share the gospel even more boldly. Third and last, after this great transformation takes place, we see Lydia practicing biblical hospitality. Look at verse... Uh, 15 with me. 
And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. I like, I like the, uh, how the message translates the last verse. The message Bible translates the last verse as, Lydia would not take no for an answer. <laughs> you can see the... Uh, you can probably imagine the, the, the missionary team saying, no, 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 we have other things to do. But Lydia, insisting, you must come. Let me practice biblical hospitality. Let me allow, allow me to be your host. We say Lydia's life, heart being changed first, then her behavior, her acts demonstrates that she now belongs to God, and she wants to show that love to others. First, in the earlier part of verse 15, we read, she was baptized. Now, baptism is a public demonstration to those around them that she now belongs to God. That must not be an easy task, because most other people, were not Christians. Actually, in the Roman Empire, they were actually persecuting Christians. So Lydia was willing to take the risk to publicly identify herself with the believers, even when that means that that might have cost her business. She still chose to do that. I love, um, I love the joy that comes with um, the service that Lydia brought to the missionary team. Um, before we came to Delaware, we were in Mississippi for uh, five years. I, studied, I was studying in a seminary there. And people in the south there were very big on hospitality. And by big, I mean that they must put on the, the bring on the best chinas. They must make sure the house and tidy and clean. And a lot of times, it is good, but sometimes it can be performance-based. And sometimes when it's performance-based, it, it, it hinders our friendship rather than improves. But you notice that Lydia did not wait until her house was cleaned and everything was tidy and neat. She didn't wait until her kitchen to be uh, uh, polished and no dirty dishes in the sink and then invite the missionary team there. She wants to show her real self, self to the missionary team. And biblical hospitality is about showing your real self, showing your love by opening your home to others. Statistics show that 90 to 95% of international students are not Christians. And 7 to 80% have never been to an American home during their four or five years study here. Not let alone an American Christian home. What a great opportunity for us showing biblical hospitality to uh, our visitors and to our uh, international students. 
Now, before you think everything in Philippi was going to be perfect, soon, if you read, continue to read in chapter 16, you will read, you will read that Paul and Silas being sent to jail. Now put yourself in Lydia's shoes. What would she think? The leaders of the missionary team who just shared the gospel now are being thrown into prison. What would she do? What would you do? Would you abandon your faith? Did Lydia abandon her faith? Chapter 16, verse 40 tells us this. So they went out to the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. When Paul and Silas left the prison, they visited Lydia. Lydia stood firm in the faith. She did not depart from her faith. Her faith was strengthened in the midst of persecution. And the church in Philippi that met at Lydia's house was one of the most supportive churches of Paul's ministry. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, we read, And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. The church that met at Lydia's house was one of the most influential, was one of the most supportive churches in Europe of Paul's ministry. If you influence one Lydia, you influence one church, you may influence one continent. And the nations are sending their best and brightest here, and many of them will go on become future leaders. In Matthew 25, Jesus gave us the prophecy when the king returns, and he will say, those on his right who will enter into his kingdom. He says, when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you saw me thirsty, you gave me water. When you saw me a stranger, you were my host. And the disciples were so confused. When did we do this? And Jesus said, when you did this to the least of this, you did it to me. When we practice hospitality to those who do not know him, we are doing it to Jesus. We are serving our Lord and King Jesus. As we close, I want, to think about, I want you to think about our great host, Jesus Christ, who was co-equal with God, but did not think the equality a thing to be considered, but came down to earth and become one of us. And he is preparing the best banquet, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he, his invitation goes out. And the cost, the cost for, to come in for us is free. The ticket for us to come in is free, but the cost to him is very expensive. It costs him his very life. 
He had to die on the cross so that you and I can one day join the marriage supper of the Lamb. And all we have to do is to believe in him. All we have to do is believe in him. No other works needed. No other performance needed. All you need to do is to accept the invitation and say, Jesus, thank you. And let us come to him and thank him for this gracious invitation. God, we thank you so much for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his dying love on the cross so that we can come and join the marriage supper with the Lamb. We thank you for saving us. Thank you so much for forgiving all our sins, past, present, and future. Thank you for washing away all our sins so that we can come before you confident and bold. Lord, we ask that you will bless each and every one who are here today. Give us boldness to bring your gospel to those who do not know you yet. And help us to trust in you that the end result belongs to you and you are sovereign over all. We give all praises to you. We pray all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.